She stood there with her beautiful long dark hair, her girlish face, that bright smile that broke out from her dark beautiful skin. This was a girl in high school who always said that she was a pessimist and always would be. And when I asked her why so, she said, being pessimist is the best because if things go badly, at least you have the satisfaction of having been right. And if things go well, even though you were wrong, it's a pleasant surprise. It just seemed like such a crystal clear logic and it just made sense. But something in me was just sad. And I would encounter this logic again and again in different ways, articulated by different people. There was a finance professor in my undergraduate school that I really liked a lot and we connected deeply. And when I told him about my desire to be a missionary and how I was going to take a year after college for mission work, at the time I didn't know it would be in Haiti, but I wanted a place like that. He just looked at me and laughed and said, yes, I also had grandeurs, delusions of grandeur when I was young, but I grew out of them and so will you. And when I gently protested and said, no, I don't think that's who I am. I don't think I'll grow out of that. And I don't think this is naivety. He just laughed at me and said, aren't you dating this guy with a steady career and everything's set, right? You're going to come back from that year. You're going to get married. You're going to have children settle down. And just like the rest of us, realize that all these things are just delusions of grandeur and they're not reality, that you'll grow up and become part of the adult world. And I just remember experiencing this sadness in my heart and this hope that this wasn't really true. And actually in the depths of the heart of the church, this isn't really true. There's a 82-year-old man, Father Isaiah, who lives in this little parish in Margate, Florida, called St. Vincent's. And a few weeks ago, during Bible study, he uttered these beautiful words where he said, Let your love be sincere, and do not be afraid to live out the consequences of a sincere love, and do not be afraid to be generous in all that it asks of you. And whenever you fall, get up, Ask the Lord for forgiveness and renew your intention to love sincerely. I was amazed by the church when I was 18 years old and I heard for the first time why the church didn't agree with contraception. It wasn't so much about how hard it was or about sexual liberation or anything like that, but I was just amazed at the mind of the church. For years, I had wondered why the church was against contraception. I understood why the church was against abortion. Any sane person would be it's the killing of a child. But it just seemed to me so stupid that the church would be against contraception when the world was clearly decided on where it would go. We didn't even conceive a child, so nothing's being killed. It's just Life is just being prevented, so no one's really hurt. And also, how can we ask people not to use contraception when it's available? What was the church thinking? And all that it did was turn away sincere people or the most of the people who are calling themselves Catholic were using contraception anyway. And I just thought, what a stupid move from the Catholic Church's side to say that contraception isn't okay. And when a husband explained to me how 
he understood and believed the church's teachings on contraception because he was called to love his wife and all that she was with her fertility, not without her fertility, and that every time they would make love, that they would be open to all that God had in mind for them. And every time they conceive a child, he was bound to her for 18 to 20 more years, and that he was so happy to do that each and every single time. And how different it was to make love with one another, knowing that they weren't just taking off their clothes, they weren't just becoming vulnerable in a biological way, but they were also vulnerable with each other financially, emotionally. Their families were vulnerable to each other. Their futures and their pasts were vulnerable to each other. All of their goodness and all of their falls and all of their mistakes were all open to each other. So when they took off their clothes and their marriage bed, they weren't just taking off their clothes and showing each other their bodies. They had shown each other their whole lives. And the church didn't want the experience of sexual intimacy to be anything less than that ever. That when and if we engage in the marital act, that the church wanted us to experience that not just physically, but with our souls and the truth of who we are. So being against contraception wasn't just about sexual maturity. Uh, or sexual intimacy or pleasure or trying to make rules, but it was about guarding the ability to be sincere with our bodies, the ability to be sincere with how and who and when and where we love. And when he explained this to me, I just remembered being in shock, not shock at anything that he'd said about their marriage, not at shock about anything about physical or sexual things, I was just shocked that there were adults in the world who believed that we could be sincere. That it is possible to be sincere in this world and not just that it's possible to be sincere, that in the depths of our heart, we've always wanted to be sincere. That we were never meant to grow up from the sincerity we felt as children. We were never meant to leave behind the hope that we had in the world and people. But yes, as we grow older, we realize that we are so much more broken and complicated than we ever thought. That as human beings, we're capable of so much more treachery than we ever thought. That we can experience so much more pain and darkness than we ever thought. That the world is so much more complicated than we ever thought. And it's so much more vast than we could have ever imagined. And yes, we will be tempted to become pessimistic. We will be tempted to think that becoming older means just letting go of this youthful hope that we had in being sincere and loving. But the church reminds us that the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like children. And if there's one thing about children, it's that they're sincere, that they're able to trust fully and completely that they really mean different things that they say, maybe not everything, but so many things, and that they really believe with the whole heart. And the church believes that it's possible to live this way, not by remaining childish, not by escaping into a la-la land of a spirituality that preaches an intense detachment or even a hatred of the world or all things that are physical. But the church preaches this by adding to that sincere love, 
to not be afraid to paying the price, to not be afraid to have all the consequences of that love be experienced. So the flip side of that sincere love is martyrdom. That's how we live out sincere love as adults. There's martyrdom in life, in all the pain that we go through, in the fears that are inflicted on us inside and outside. The horrible disappointments will come through. The difficulties and estrangements and humiliations will go through. And for some, in death of body as well. I'm reminded of the Algerian martyrs who said that for those who called me naive, I hope that my death will prove that I wasn't just being naive, that it wasn't childish in the sense that I just had a hope and it broke. But it was innocence, it was truth, it was a sincere love because I was willing to die for it. And I believe that God is so pleased with sincere love and that God himself has begun and that he has put the down payment on this love and we're just making these tiny little installments afterwards. He paid the down payment on sincere love by bearing the consequences of loving us sincerely. The Heavenly Father sent his only son and watched him give himself up as sacrifice for us. And his beautiful son became one who was marred and horrible and terrible to look at. Reproached by his own, given up by his own, abandoned by his own, not just at his birth, but throughout his life and even in his death. But he took all of that sincere love and he remained sincere and he lifted that sincerity up to the Heavenly Father in prayer. And he bore the consequences of that sincere love for his bride. And he died for her and he rose again. And even after rising again, he sits at the right hand of the Father interceding for every person and for the entire church, his bride. And all the bride has left to do now is to love her bridegroom back sincerely. All the church has to do now is to love her Heavenly Father sincerely because God loved us first because we loved him. And yes, if we weren't Christian, if we didn't know the name of Jesus Christ, if we didn't have an image of the Father in him, and if we didn't have the presence of the Holy Spirit, perhaps we should have been pessimistic. Perhaps it would make sense. Perhaps it would give our hearts enough of a hard shell so that we, go, we could go through the difficulties of this life. But the church today wants us, as she always has for the 2,000 years she's existed since she came out of the sight of Christ, poured out through his water and his blood poured out from the side. She wants us to be sincere. She wants us to find a love that brings out all the intensity of a sincere love in us. And then she wants us to remain unafraid for the rest of our lives to bear the consequences of that sincere love and not to stray from it. And should we fall, to get up, to apologize to God, ask and receive his forgiveness and renew our intention to be sincere in love. Lord, I want to ask you for forgiveness this day for all the ways in which I have allowed cynicism to come into my heart and where I have consented to becoming an adult 
in a cruel way, forgetting the sincere love that I felt for you because of the sincerity of your love that poured into my heart. And Lord, today I want to renew that sincere love that I felt. And Lord, I ask that you would forgive me for my cynicism, my cynicism in people, my cynicism in the church, my cynicism in the world, my cynicism in myself. And Lord, I surrender that to you today. And I ask, Heavenly Father, that you would give me the strength once more to be like a child and to receive once more all the gifts that you want to give. Amen.